This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guest this week is the post-evangelical writer, Lindsay Medford. We talk about her life, her studies, how she feels she doesn't quite fit into either conservative evangelical or mainline spaces. Lindsay blogs over at lindsaymedford.com, and she recently launched a new series on sex and shame, which is accepting anonymous and named contributions. Head over to her site, which is linked in the show notes, for more details. Now, I can't wait for you to hear the interview, but before we get to that, I want to let you know a couple of things. As always, I'd like you, I'd like to ask you to rate and review the show. Uh, rate the show five stars, if you would. And if you appreciate the show, uh, take a couple minutes and write a review as well. It helps others find the show, improves the ratings, all sorts of other things. Also, you can follow me on Twitter, at BRChastain. It's not all theological and cultural bloviating. Sometimes I bloviate about comic books, too. And other stuff. You know, it's fun. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Pod, like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pod, as well as Instagram, too. You can also follow the show on Anchor at Pod. I continue to experiment over on that platform with new content there, and I hope you check it out. Finally, last week I put together a poll asking for your help to decide which book we might be able to discuss together. The books that were put up for the poll were God is Disappointed in You, which is a graphic novel uh, slash uh, satire, Uh, Sacred Wounds by Teresa Pasquale, The End of White Christian America by Robert P. Jones, Living Buddha, Living Christ by Thich Nhat Hanh, and The Evangelicals by Francis Fitzgerald. You chose, somewhat unsurprisingly and in retrospect, The Evangelicals by Francis Fitzgerald. We'll have our first discussion online on Twitter in a couple of weeks, or maybe a little farther out from there. I'll uh, release a little more details in the coming week or so. Um, but in the meantime, you can find a link to purchase that book through uh, the show notes, and that is an affiliate link, so it gives us a little bit of a boost if you use it. Um, just so you know, this is totally participatory. Feel free to skip out if the book doesn't interest you or if discussing a book feels honestly too churchy for you. That's totally fine. I totally get it. It's just a, a fun idea because I'm sort of uh, nerdy and I thought it'd be fun to uh, just to differentiate and try a couple new things here in the feed for you. So again, if you feel like you don't want another thing you feel like you have to do in your life, that's fine. <laughs> but if um, disc- reading and, and discussing a book online is something that you think would be fun um, with fellow fans of the show and fellow prior guests and that sort of thing, then feel free to um, chime in, uh, pick up a copy of the book and uh, chime in in the next couple of weeks. I'll, again, I, I will be putting out some more info about it in the in the coming weeks i'm thinking the first section that we might want to discuss would be either um the week before labor day or the week after labor day uh, depending on what might be best for people's reading including mine so uh be on the lookout for that information very soon all right everyone let's that's all i've got for you let's get into it 
Everyone, welcome to Exvangelical. My guest this week is Lindsay Medford. She is a post-evangelical blogger over at lindsaymedford.com. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for reaching out. I'm really glad to, to talk to you this evening. Um, so let's start just getting with a little bit of background about yourself. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? All that, all that sort of fun stuff. Let's, let's start there. Um, I was born in Florida, but I grew up in North Atlanta. Um, Lawrenceville and coming Georgia, if people know where that is. Um, <laughs> so suburban, southern, deep south. <laughs> went to college in Tennessee, and then I have been up north for a few years. I was in um, Syracuse for a year and Boston for three years. Now I'm in Charleston. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so so you've been around a little bit um, along. <laughs> up and down the the south and and the east coast and everything um what was i i honestly uh so i i went to high school in the chicago suburbs but what are what what's the what are the atlanta suburbs like hmm um they there's a lot of traffic <laughs> where i'm from is sort of on the the edge of between the suburbs and the exurbs so okay. We think of Atlanta as being really far away. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, my my town, we could talk about this. My town um, was all white. Like yeah. Completely, um, it was historically, actually, all the black people were driven out. And oh, I just really? learned all of this about a year ago. So, um, it was just, it was a very sheltered place. Um, okay. And it was, it was great growing up. Um, yeah. But also a very, a very like consumerist as well. Looking mm-hmm. back, yeah. So what was what was your uh, what was your church environment like there at um uh, within within your Atlanta suburb? What was the name of the suburb, if you don't mind? <laughs> um. Well, as a kid, I went lived in Lawrenceville, and okay. I went to a Nazarene church. Okay. Um, it's a small holiness denomination. Um, so I, as a kid, I, we, I, I remember thinking a lot about what all I could do for God, um, in this sort of, um, holiness emphasis, there's a really big emphasis on evangelism and missions. Um, and so I think that that really worked for me as a child. I was really good at being good. And so that was a very comforting space, um, and then yeah. there, my family moved to Cumming, Georgia, in when I was in starting middle school. And it was a terrible time of my life, as a lot of people's middle <laughs> school years are. Um, <laughs> yeah. But my family was also in, in a bit of a crisis for different reasons. Um, and so um, I, I think in between... Our move, we we all went through a really painful transition, and my parents had never been to a church that wasn't Nazarene before. Um, but after, at at the end of this sort of two or three years of learning more about God and ourselves, um, we ended up at a a much more a more gracious. <laughs> church and that was a presbyterian church in america um yeah okay yeah 
so the Nazarene the Nazarene Church, like you you all sort of felt like you were uh, coming out of that and moving into a different tradition as a family. Is that is that fair? But yeah. Um to some, I, to some extent, okay. I I had a very I considered myself some sort of atheist for a year or two in there, and I, my parents I didn't tell anyone because I didn't tell anyone anything. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, in that sense, it wasn't as a family. But I think looking back at it, as we all process, we all say that was a time when life was so hard we had to reorient the way we looked at it and the way we looked at God. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so so moving from moving from a Nazarene church to a um to the PCA church um in your words was was a was a gracious it was something that allowed you to to provide more grace to yourselves or to others in that sense. Yeah, I mean, at least in my from my perspective I was young and Yeah. I think as much as I liked church, my vision of God had a lot of fear in it mm-hmm. and a lot of um, anxiety. And then it was actually just a couple of several sermons about God's love. It was like I, something I'd never really considered before that um, rather than having to hold the Bible together with like this elaborate atonement theory or with um, logic (laughs) (laughs) Um, that love is a a much more coherent way to look at what this religion is and who God is. Yeah. Um, And so that was a, that was a huge change for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting that it it sort of took going to a different place and entering into a different, tradition to to hear that new thing um that's definitely very that's very interesting um what when you were at this pca church um were you in um it sounds like the way the way you describe things and the way you describe your past experience you were very much sort of uh, like aware of your own state of belief even at this time um did you were you participating in like the youth group there and that sort of thing? Um, or, um, was, was that part of your adolescence? Yeah. Um, when I, once I got back to Christianity, um, I felt I was all in with it. And so, yeah, I was in the youth group. I, made some really close friends that I am still very close with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really appreciated that, that group actually. It was, um, we were encouraged to question. We weren't talked down to as much as I think a lot of YouTube kids were. <laughs> and we were given a lot of opportunities to ask questions and study and lead. That's great. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. So, so overall you, that was a, that was a positive experience for you and, would, or how would you determine it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I, I've i been thinking a lot, in the, like, especially the last couple of years about specific messages that I that come from evangelicalism and trying to figure out where they came from. And I often have no idea, like, what I have no <laughs> memory of a specific time someone told me this thing 
that became such an important like yeah. axiom of my life. <laughs> it was just I just absorbed it from some places that might have been like my parents or someone really important, or they might have like the internet or edgy tales. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm laughing because that's totally true for me. Like I, I totally get that. Like, where yeah. did that come from? Where did what's what's an what's an example like of something that that you've thought of since then? You're like, where did that idea like even come from? Well, when I had us in high school, especially, I had this like real obsession with being modest enough, and I don't think. I think sometimes my mom would like try to get me to wear shorts and things and I would be like, no, absolutely not. And so I don't know who, who told me that I had to be more modest than my mom. But, <laughs> um, I definitely felt that way. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why I just, I felt that God would be displeased with me if I wore shorts. Hmm. And just, just couldn't it's like one of those things you can't track <laughs> yeah yeah, that's, yeah i'm sure yeah. I, I think a lot of it is personality which you know i make up rules for myself but. <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah <laughs> sorry that 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 just rings so true to me like it's just uh absolutely that's such a great way to put it like where did that come from <laughs> um because some there are some things that can be very very clear, and then others that just work their way into your brain. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so from, uh, were you going to just just to sort of fill out some more of your more of your story and like your adolescence and growing up and everything? Um, were you going to public school in Georgia, or were you going to like a a, a Christian school or a, a different sort of private school? No, I went to public school. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, I remember, I have a lot of, like, weird flashes of thought from being a small child, and I, I remember being concerned that all of my friends were Christian, even though it was public school, because um, I didn't have anyone to evangelize oh, to. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. And it, I was, like, trying to figure out where to find the bad kids in my, like, third grade class or something. <laughs> They, they weren't there. It was just a, yeah. That's a very earnest thought. I mean, that's that's definitely <laughs> for a third for a third grader, you know, in that in that environment. It's a very earnest thought. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned previously before we talked that that after um, um, after high school you then went to uh, Lee University, which is um, a Pentecostal school. Um. I went to so I went to Indiana Wesleyan, which is Wesleyanism is another sort of strain of holiness, a uh, holiness movement, which you mentioned. Um, so it had a it, because of that heritage, it had a lot of uh, rules and everything as far as decorum and how students were supposed to behave, etc. Um, what was the campus environment like at Lee University, being in a different Pentecostal school, that sort of thing? Well, it was funny that you mentioned public school because I was thinking about and today my um, we went to public school K through twelve and it was great and then my parents would not hear of us going to a public university. Really? Uh, yeah. So I 
kind of had to go to Christian college. I went okay. To, I got to Lee and then found out that it was Pentecostal. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that gives you a, an idea of the vibe. It's like generally evangelical and then parts of the student body and faculty are Pentecostal and that's just part of the milieu. <laughs> uh, as far as like the rules and stuff, it wasn't, I mean, compared to a public school, it was shocking. I, I don't know that they just that the dorms were segregated and boys could not go in the girls' dorms and girls could not go in the boys' dorms. Mm-hmm. But for once a semester, you could pay a dollar to go in the other people's dorms. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, so there was at, at no point there was like there were no visitation hours, nothing like that. Just strict segregation at all times. There were lobbies. You could go in the lot. Like okay, little... yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. That's uh, that's an. I, I think that's a new one. Or well, that's a that's a new riff on on like the rules that I've that I've heard. Yeah. You know, <laughs> certain schools like you know you have to have chaperones everywhere, uh, and then others have visiting hours. But I but uh, the actually the monetizing vis- visiting dorms. <laughs> 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 of the of the opposite sex that's uh that's very interesting <laughs> that's yeah they that's enterprising it, it was a big event a bit only for freshmen um, <laughs> <laughs> I, other than that i don't think there there weren't any like majorly strict rules there were and, and there were rules that were in the handbook that aren't really enforced um, I think there's a rule against dancing, but there are school events where people that include dancing. So mm-hmm. um, it wasn't it wasn't crazy by any means. And yeah. it was also I mean, a lot like I got uh, like reprimanded by campus safety my freshman year for like cuddling with my boyfriend in some grass on campus. And so then. <laughs> We just didn't go on campus <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, there were a lot of rules like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the sort of rules that turn you into rule breakers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your – what was your that, – that's a good segue. What, what, um, what was your sort of um, personal experience at, of, of the school – and and how how you took in both your coursework as well as the overall um the overall sort of campus life and everything else there um yeah those are two really different things as far mm-hmm. as campus life um it was there was a lot of energy around being a real good christian and stuff um there was and our, our faculty and staff, you know, worked really hard to be mentors and to encourage us to think about the people we were becoming. And so that felt really positive at the time. Um, and it was. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it was just we t- took a lot of things way too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and I think all of my friends since we've left have we really resisted the idea that went around that our college was a bubble. But then after we left, we realized there that we really had been um, conditioned to 
to a culture, a certain culture, and to make assumptions about how the world works that just don't really function in real life. Um, and so, and even my even my senior year, I was like pretty disillusioned with the like circle of people singing praise choruses with the acoustic guitar for like hours and hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. If it didn't, if it didn't if that was all there was, was just sort of this, like, singing in a circle makes me feel good yeah. sort of thing that went on. And that's certainly a cynical view of it. But um, <laughs> that, was the, that was socially the vibe. And it was that was really important. Um, <laughs> one time, senior year, my, I was hanging out with some of my friends, and, and one of them sat down we were at a restaurant and he came in and he sat down and he said okay what are the ethics of making out and <laughs> okay. these were just the conversations we had all the time just all the time the ethics of making out <laughs> yeah really serious um and yeah. so yeah and uh, <laughs> so yeah that that uh that sort of just in regards to like making out and being a single Christian and all that sort of stuff like where's the line uh, and does there have to be a line and all those sorts of things I'm sure that was um, highly debated <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so was that part of the was that also a sort of um, part of the culture on campus as far as things regarding modesty and regarding um what we what we the shorthand that we've all that um that we've developed as far as referring to it as purity culture mm -hmm. um was that a big part of um big part of the the campus life as well just uh that being a sort of constant background noise sort of thing yeah i would say so um, yeah i one time sophomore year, my I had a really, I think it was my first experience of sort of being told that I was crossing some sort of line and um, feeling really hurt by other people leaving me out with my, my roommates, who would be really embarrassed of this story now. They said they somehow it came up in conversation that they thought I was not being modest enough because by this time I had realized like I can't control whether other people or men objectify me <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I had sort of moved on from that and I don't know what it was or what the outfit was or what brought them to tell me that they disagreed with my choices but um that they kind of said we don't we think you should should fix this and um that was really hurtful and we eventually had this whole big conversation and reconcile reconciliation about it where I was like you know it was probably the first time too that I said I understand what you're saying to me but I disagree with you and I'm going to keep doing my thing and I hope that we can you know work it out um so there was that there was um 
just generally, I think we're talking about people and their relationships. And if they seem to be like sleeping over together, this was like a huge thing to whisper about. And yeah, yeah, hmm. there was just this, that whole expectation, and and that definitely fed into an expectation that. You were in a relationship for more than a year. You were probably going to get engaged and married and probably going to get married as soon as you graduated and that yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an incredibly common for sure. Is that, that like drive to, to be married. Uh, I know that, um, on my campus, like that was when the marriage numbers started, started to drop like the campus pastor thought that like the chapel the chapel pastor or whatever i don't remember his title he he was disappointed <laughs> like oh. you know uh so God. yeah so like um but that's but that you you mentioned that that sort of point between you and you and your your friend group like when you actually that's where you began to sort of individuate and make this sort of position between you and and the, the group in it so to speak um that's very interesting is that something um i i don't want to necessarily push this um much push this too far ahead but is that um something that just over your um over your time at college uh d- you did you feel yourself while you were at campus uh, in enrolled and still in uh, at at your Christian college that you were beginning to formulate and realize that you didn't necessarily agree with what was being taught or the social norms or how would you how would you describe that and how was how what was your experience of 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 that uh, it was definitely more than social norms that and just the maybe since I was 19. I've just been learning to take myself less seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there were people I was really close to that still, still just, we were at different, had to hold different opinions of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that did continue to happen, especially with a few particular people. But at the same time, I was, uh, on an improv team and in an honors group that was, they were both very extremely irreverent. <laughs> um, and so there was also a definite feeling among those groups that we were outsiders or, or um, I don't know. Badasses. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned in your uh, in an email that you also like started a uh, or contributed to like a uh, like a satire sort of onion like <laughs> uh, website too that that was sort of countercultural for your for your <laughs> for your college as well. Was was that a good outlet for you too to sort of let yourself express this? dissenting opinion that you that you were developing well, that was so fun it was really <laughs> fun and there were we we did it anonymously which made it like twice as fun oh that's great 
campus was like, who's writing this thing and guessing. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I would have done that forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, where do you, where did you, um, go after college and what, what came next? Well, um, I studied theology in college. And so as far as moving away from evangelicalism, like that was a part of it. Um, I learned about biblical scholarship my freshman year and sort of absorbed the information that Moses did not write the Pentateuch and that, um, that this stuff was compiled by humans and yeah. um, it contradicts itself in a lot of ways and yeah. just how it, how it came to be and coming, having to decide how much of it I thought was really the word of God or and how that was supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our theology program was also really focused on tradition uh, and my mentors, I think, would call themselves Catholic Pentecostal and Orthodox Pentecostal. Uh, and so learning about the how the church has always been dealing with stuff and putting things in the Bible and taking them out and um, developing doctrines and getting things wrong and getting things right... Um, learning to you know learning that the the bible or that christianity existed before john wesley or martin luther uh, yeah <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely and then, mm-hmm, the um our school actually focused a lot on social justice and so that i mean now that i think that's not really unevangelical, but 10 years ago, I had never really heard of it. And so my view of like Christianity moved from like doing charity is part of being like a bonus good work type of thing Mm -hmm. to like social justice is integral to like salvation and the kingdom of God and what Mm -hmm. Jesus to do um and what god has intended for the world um that was really huge and so um by the time i left there i i think i was a very atypical evangelical (laughs) in (laughs) In what way it um you say in what ways yeah yeah um in Having a fairly nuanced approach to the Bible mm-hmm. and um, caring more sometimes what Irenaeus or Augustine said than what C.S. Lewis says. <laughs> <laughs> and being a lot less focused on saving people's souls in some particular time frame than in providing for their like overall well-being. Yeah. And Fight for a just community. Yeah. Put them in your wheelbarrow.
hard time sometimes saying that I've left evangelicalism just because I haven't, that means I don't have anywhere to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't, I just haven't found um, a, a better label or even like a community really. So it's hard to say, you know, like these, these people, I've made a break with them in some way, but, but yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. At that point, I was definitely still evangelical. I actually wrote a piece for Thought Catalog. That he called, I called it Why I Still Call Myself an Evangelical. It was around that time. Oh, really? Yeah. And I don't remember what it said except that. I think this was really like, this is my family, and I don't get to just leave them that. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, that's a very, that's a very... Um, understandable sentiment. I mean, it is very much where you come from. So yeah. uh, it's not something that is easily abandoned. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I definitely understand that. Um, so in our prayer emails, you also mentioned that you, after college, you went to, uh, you, you, you volunteered for a year. Um, what was, what was your experience through, through that? Mm-hmm. That, so the whole social justice thing we from college, I had volunteered with a youth center for two years um, every week, and that was like huge. It's still huge for who I am and how I look at the world and um, just being friends with very poor people. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I moved to Syracuse to do a, a volunteer year. Uh, I was working in the food pantry of a United Methodist Church. So I had been like all over over evangelicalism and then like delved into Catholicism and orthodoxy to some extent, but then I like the main line was the last place. (laughs) Another place to, the last place to explore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I... I mean, like most people who are 21 and go off to save the world, there was that year was disillusioning. Um, as much as it it was good, and in the ways that people say service is good, um, it was also really hard for a lot of reasons. Mm. Um, but it was also, yeah, being at the in the main line and working really closely with these like super liberal Christians was really eye-opening um just to to see that you could look at the world so differently and be a Christian or yeah. that you could Bible so differently and be a Christian right. um and that even if you didn't I don't know sing praise choruses and raise your hands <laughs> that you could still have a very vital relationship with God. Yeah. <laughs> was something I had not really considered. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of times within, yeah, within sort of the evangelical bubble, so to speak, you, you don't realize the diversity of even Christian experience <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, 
So during that, so during that time, you both worked there at uh, United Methodist Church, and then also attended. And so is that mm-hmm. okay? Nice. <laughs> That's my. Those are my roots. So go, you know, go Methodist. They've got their, they've got their problems, but I, but they're also my roots too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, um, and then also, uh, you went to eventually from there. You uh, went to seminary, or I'm sorry, to uh, you got your masters in the masters in theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And then that that was also at a uh, at a UM uh, seminary, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is mostly by accident. It was just the closest. <laughs> was the closest school to Syracuse and. I was dating my husband, and he was back in Syracuse. Gotcha. Um, (laughs) I do all of my life decisions have been totally by accident (laughs) in that sort of way. But, yeah, um, yeah, I went to BU, and that was when, like, just my perspective on the world really, 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 really shifted to, you know, now I have to call myself a liberal Christian. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't, it wasn't because of any theology classes that I took particularly. Um, It was because I learned about climate change and capitalism and colonialism. Um, And where so again I accidentally took this class about climate change (laughs) and we I had thought of climate change as like okay this is real and probably bad but there are other things we need to deal with first Um, Mm -hmm. but getting diving into that course and looking at it theologically really made me make the connection between um, climate change and poverty throughout the world and sort of the colonial aspects of the way we do capitalism and um, just connected all of these, this web of how the world works uh, that you can't, you can't go back from. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is disappointing sometimes. <laughs> um, so do you do you have an an example from um I know that I I totally get yeah they 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 all interplay together. Um mm-hmm. would did was climate change the the sort of starting point where you where like you you were given um, a framework to understand climate change through a theological lens and then these other sorts of things started to um, fall into place or make sense in a new sort of way. Was there a professor or like a, or any sort of writer or anything that, that, that began to sort of illuminate those things for you? Um, the professor is Elizabeth Parsons. Um, she's a, part-time professor at at BU and she lives in Maine. Um, I don't, theologically, I mean, Sally McThaig is the big, the really big 
theologian. Um, but I don't have a name off the top of my head of any theologian. We there were some. We read Becoming Animal. Oh really? Book and um, Depletion and Abundance was one of the most influential books I've ever read. Okay. Yeah. Those are, those are both new to me and I will look them up because I love this topic. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, creation care was a, was a major thing for me as far as, um, sort of like reinvigorating my interest within Christianity. Um, and Sally McFake was one of those people. Um, I read, uh, was it a new climate for theology? I think is mm-hmm. one of her books. So I, I read that one and I think one other one, um, I don't. I can't remember if she's the person that wrote "Becoming Consumed" or not. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, so so like this experience is that what sort of like codified your um, sort of your identity as far as you did you feel like you at that point you you said at that point you sort of became or you reckoned with your own sort of becoming a liberal Christian. Is that, right. <laughs> um, so that was, that was like a very conscious sort of thing that, that you had to do. Was that something that for you, um, was it something that you felt was, um, a painful transition or was it something that was more, just a more gradual and then more natural outgrowth of your, um, of the, as you as you learned about the world and as you learned about these different aspects of of religion and of god and 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 of everything <laughs> as far as your experience within within life to that point um i suppose a lot of these transitions i've gone through i've i've done them with people and that has made them less so of course at that time i was i had my classmates to process things with and um, keeping up with people from college has been great because we've all every single person has become more liberal since they've left college (laughs) that I have kept up with Um, and it's it's painful when your grandma writes you because you called God she and that's not right and she's really disappointed and confused about how you could do that Um, there's there's a little pain in saying, okay, we're never going to understand each other about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I go and wanting, wishing to go back to, to things being simpler and, and understanding things on the surface and um, just going, it's only been, I graduated in 2015 and it's been the last few months I've been able to like, listen to a sermon and just like listen and not not be analyzing every single word about what what the greek means and whether um what they just said was racist and whether um there's you know that metaphor in the bible means something completely different and (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's always those thoughts that go through your head but You wish you you could go back to just, like, learning the lesson the pastor tells you to learn and going on with your life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
a <laughs> an education in religion makes you a bad parishioner, for sure. Or at least a difficult one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What um what has your experience been within the last few within the last year since I mean it's been it's been a tumultuous two years since you graduated um in twenty fifteen. Um you know, certain very obvious things have happened, like the ascension <laughs> of Donald Trump, um and uh and the overwhelming support that um that evangelicals provided to him in his presidential victory and the continued support that they seem to give to continue to give him especially within evangelical leadership up in up to and including uh just yesterday and today um we're recording this and um, jared kushner is just uh given his public defense so to speak and evangelicals rallied to his cause as well um so Amidst all these other sorts of um, political and social shifts, how has your uh, how has your sort of identity um, and understanding of these um, these events been been affected? Um. Well, I dropped. I made the decision to drop the label evangelical when all those people dumped their compassion kids i was that <laughs> like two or three years ago yeah yeah oh, like wow. compassion and world vision and and yeah yeah um, yeah so when when that happened i was like as much as this word means really specific and important things to me about my past and my spirituality um when I say it to other people, it doesn't mean that to them. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> when I say I'm evangelical, that's what, that's what they think of. And I can't be, it doesn't make sense to keep using that. that yeah. Is that definitely by the time Trump became a real contender, um, I felt dissociated from that group of people and, um, but still, I, I mean, it was still really, really disappointing and very, I, I want, I still wanted to believe that all of those people meant well, and it's hard to see now how they really, it's hard to, to make any sort of case for a lot of those people really having integrity, um, considering the way they talked about Bill Clinton um, for mm -hmm. them to turn around and support Donald Trump 20 years later, uh, among lots of other things we can appreciate yeah. about him. But um, yeah, that that was that was disappointing, and it's um, it. I think it all it makes me feel a lot more like I don't have a place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what what expand on that a little bit what how how do you feel um yeah and i i don't even really want to i don't want to give you give too much direction here um how what do you what does that mean for you that that like at this point in time you don't 
have a place where you feel like you belong, so to speak? Um, I guess for one thing, and the stuff we were just talking about with the climate change and capitalism and colonialism and, um, mm -hmm. I, colonialism for me, like under also racism, um, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to stay in a space where those things are not only unexamined, but when you bring them up, they're resisted. Mm -hmm. um, as much as you might feel you have in common with people in experience. I, I guess that sort of, even going back to hang out with your old fraternity buddies, you might feel that way too. It doesn't have to be religion necessarily, but um, it's been so important to the way I think I understand Jesus that it's particularly difficult in in church to to go from place to place and, and not see those things reflected upon. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. So, um, do you feel those, do you feel similar sorts of, um, discomfort within the two poles, I suppose, of like, uh, a conservative space or a conservative evangelical space and a more liberal mainline space? Do you feel, um, similar sorts of discomfort in those places? Um, or do, or are they a bit or are there just different aspects of each that that do not um, really capture where you are right now? Mm -hmm. um, well, I as far as the main line goes, as much as I respect people like people's spirituality that doesn't look like mine, I still, you know, need to talk a lot about my relationship with Jesus and I need to like <laughs> pray with people a lot and um and just bring not be so practical <laughs> <laughs> um and that's part of part of the feeling of being sort of a misfit um but I also this is especially maybe true just in, in Boston generally where everyone's like really liberal. Um, it's easy to know the right answers and even to, to pay some sort of token homage to climate change and capitalism. Um, mm. but then when you get down to it, um, what am I trying to say? I'm not trying to say that people are hypocrites because everyone's a hypocrite and that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'm trying to say is I think, I think in both spaces in the evangelical church and the mainline church, there can become a sense that like we know the answers and those other people are, don't know them and are wrong and are bad Christians um, and since we know the answers, we 
we've got it down. Um, I think I guess that's not really a fair way to characterize like the whole entire mainline either. Um, but that's yeah. But but that speaks to your that speaks to your experience in both. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's that's fair. And I mean that's not. Yeah, I under I understand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, don't, I am amazed by how how like doggedly and rigidly someone can talk about openness to other people or uh, or about liberalism. That <laughs> <laughs> um, you it's very it's very very easy to switch from like a a system of beliefs about the world that fit with your like evangelical grid. And to just like switch to a different system of beliefs to fit with your Marxist grid um, that doesn't make space for for other um, ideas to influence it or people to ask questions or people to disagree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So do you do you um, feel like you personally um, do you feel like you prefer to be that sort of person that is able to to speak to both to people in different camps or um I know that I know that like having having played that role personally like I know it can also feel like you don't have a camp (laughs) like like you want you want to talk to people in in both spaces you want to be like a bridge between these two disparate beliefs um and find some sort of balance or harmony um, is, do you feel that sort of, do you feel that sort of tension? Um, is that part of, part of like your discomfort is that, you know, that there are these people that ostensibly believe the same, like, you know, believe the same orthodox uh, theology so, or, or, uh, words are sort of failing me right now, but um, they they ostensibly hold to the same creeds, but they um, they just have a very very different way of living. <laughs> um, do you is that something that that you see as a role for yourself as far as um, as existing between these spaces, and is it something that um, that that is like just per- that can be personally difficult, <laughs> I guess. Like, uh, cause that's, that's, a, I mean, it is a hard, it's a hard thing to be. It's a hard thing to try to be a bridge between two, <laughs> two, uh, sorry, that was my dog. Um, two worldviews that may not, may not be simpatico really. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I do think I've almost been doing it long enough to, have some comfort and then and it is something I want to do and really like to do if you can put something in new language or or just give someone new background on somewhat on the other side of something and see that they've see someone come to understand something better that's that's really I think important work um, but yeah, it, it can be really tiring. It does, it does feel like there are a lot of people in the middle that sort of just like float around and maybe catch up at Wild Goose once a year or something. Mm-hmm. But never been to Wild Goose, so it's just this like 
organized, it's not an organized thing that I get to put myself in a camp and say the label of it and people know who I am and everyone's comfortable with that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, so is that just not as much of a concern for you right now? Like you don't necessarily need to know like, um, that you're this or you're not this. Yeah, no, I, I, it's easy to say I'm Episcopalian because Episcopalians are a lot of things. So right, yeah. Like <laughs> communion, so yeah. I just, if I need to, I just say I'm Episcopalian, even though <laughs> I don't have a church, so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what role has, um, what, what role has, like, all the different sorts of geographies that you've lived in, um, the different sort of cultures you've been in Charleston you've been in Atlanta and uh, New York and uh, how how has moving between those actual like geographical cultural places impacted how how you've navigated these very same questions um it's it was really I think if you know there's liberal seminaries and churches in the South. But I think if I had gone to like to Emory or Vanderbilt for my master's degree, um, or to a liberal church in the South for my volunteer year, I think I, I, it would have still been impossible to start to disentangle Christianity or the Bible and Jesus from Christianity and from, but most importantly, from, um, that those things don't have to be disentangled necessarily, but (laughs) disentangle those from Christian culture and Southern Christian culture. Mm -hmm. And so to get away and just, and see that some of the things I took 100% for granted as part of like, at least as part of American Christianity were were just Southern or just Republican or <laughs> like Southern evangelical thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other seeing, yeah, that other people could agree with me about the Bible and Jesus, but be, um, not think the same way about manners or work or how a meeting should be run or sex or um, you know, how a church should function. All of those things were different. And I thought that they were matters of theology and to some extent they are and to some extent they aren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. I mean, I, uh, aside from, uh, like a, a brief stint in Nashville. I've always been here in the Midwest. So, um, so the aspect of, of moving around and experiencing different parts of just even American Christianity, let alone world Christianity, um, is mm-hmm. definitely very interesting because there is that very significant sort of uh, geographical local flavor that, that yeah. is going to have a, a major impact on, on how, um, how church is run and, and how people actually even express and live out their, their, their belief. Um, it's been really weird 
to be back in the South and um, meet people in regular life and like just sort of casually ask like where do you go to church yeah um, that was a huge difference was up up north people only go to church if they really care about it and want to do it it's um there's much more of a sense of you're you're definitely much more of the odd one out if you do regularly attend church and call yourself a christian mm-hmm. um, and that was really interesting and in a lot of ways it was really nice to know that when you when you go to church the people there like have some stake in it rather than just sort of their um engaging in a social activity or um just going out of pure habit yeah <laughs> the hmm. sort of tradition or their mom's expectation that um, <laughs> There was, that was, in some ways, in some ways it was nice. Um, in other ways, I think the, the last church I went to in Boston sort of took that almost to, and there's a, this idea of Hauerwas being like a, a colony of Jesus, um, alien group of people set down in the midst of this other place, um, I think I think that church kind of took it a little too seriously, <laughs> and they were a little unable to engage with with the rest of the culture. Mm-hmm. So for you now, in in twenty seventeen, you um, are in this place where you don't feel totally comfortable in mainline places or in the evangelical places that were your that are your heritage um but you still feel uh you you're still actively engaging with these questions of um of belief of faith of religion of all those different things um what what are the things that um what are the things that sort of compel you to continue to to really um to really continue um and one way I sometimes phrase this question is why do you stay like, uh, and what do you feel like you, um, what do you, um, what do you feel like is, is valuable and how is that, um, how are you, how are you going about that in your life? I know that's a lot of questions rolled into one. So let me, um, so I, uh, I was, (laughs) so I'll, I'll sort of, um, distill it down to, you know, given where you are now, given that you have this, um, that you have all these, all this background that, that you've, uh, that you've given, um, what, what is it that compels you to stay? What, what is it that, that still motivates you to engage with Christianity at all? <laughs> um, my first answer like my first answer at the age of four would have been is Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do still think that the, uh, the incarnation, the idea that God is with us and that God suffers with us, um, is beautiful and unique and very true. Um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. 
something I, you know, the, at the Pentecostalism rubbed off on me enough to say I've experienced <laughs> the presence of God with me in a, in a way that I can't, I can try to dispense with it, but I, I wouldn't really be able to get away. Mm-hmm. And even if I, if I left organized religion, I would still, I think, have to call myself a Christian. Um, but I think actually having learned for so many years like digging into the Christian tradition in college um, really having a liberal arts education in general convinced me that whether I like something or not is, is not the the point of whether I'm going to belong to it or not necessarily, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I, I think is a really, it's a very conservative argument, um, but also a very compelling one. It's, it's just a, it's a, it's a really odd moment in history that we have a culture that does think that way, that if you, um, are hurt by something that you can just leave it behind, <laughs> Um, I suppose it's not, I suppose people don't, don't mean to put it that simply, um, but that that's going to be a part of me regardless. And um, it's to be a Christian, I think, means belonging to a community and to be a Christian means um doing doing your little bit to help that community be better yeah yeah i uh, i i've developed a an appreciation of that sort of sentiment over um yeah over the last couple of years and also oddly by meeting people through this show to be honest like <laughs> the the sense of community um that that it's sort of provided to me in that regard. Um, yeah, I, what, what you said sort of reminds me of, um, there's a, a Wendell Berry essay and it's actually about, I believe it's titled Christianity and the survival of creation. Um, and he talks about how, regardless of whether we, regardless of whether we like it, um, like this is our heritage. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we and if and Christianity is like uh, at even regardless of what it, whatever sort of um, like theological claims it may make, it's also it has a cultural claim on us. Um, and to deny that is to give to um, I think he says something like he says it much better than I'm going to say it, but he says basically it'll, it'll change. It chains you to like a, a, a shadow version of, of the fullness of, of like your cultural heritage. Um, so I think there is definitely something to that. Um, and it's definitely some, yeah, uh, it's definitely something that I think can often take a lifetime to explore. Um, for you right now, um, it's, given that you feel not quite comfortable, like not fully comfortable in, in either in, in evangelical or mainline spaces, does, are you, 
Um, has that put you in a position where you, where you find your sense of community elsewhere, like online or, or through, uh, through your audience um, on your website? Um, how, is there a place right now where you actually do feel that sort of comfort? Um, online is a big is a big part of it uh, for sure. Um, keeping, like I said, keeping in touch with friends from college has been invaluable um, mm. because we we have all gone on this journey to some extent, and that's mm-hmm. just that's immensely comforting um, because I do I respect my friends. <laughs> Them and I don't want that, you know, I would be heartbroken if they all thought that I had just got off the deep end and been, <laughs> brainwashed, been brainwashed by the Royal Academy. Um, <laughs> I think a few of them feel that way about some of my ideas, but they're still my friends and they understand. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so online. And then um, I just started a theology on tap group in Charleston, um, hoping to sort of find some other spiritual misfits so we'll we'll see um how how that develops whether that becomes a a (laughs) full-fledged thing yeah Uh, and really great so far yeah 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 that's great that's great that and i think that's wonderful thing about the moment we're in we can generally find someone to identify with um to not to not feel too crazy. <laughs> um, so, was there anything else that I I didn't really um, that I didn't really touch on that that you'd like to talk about? Um, really, anything at all? Um, you've you've got such an interesting story, and um, you know you've touched on like even within your studies, you've touched on so many different things. Is there anything that I've not really touched on that that um, that you'd like to? to talk about for a bit? Um, well, I guess a moment I think a lot of people might identify with is um, when I went to a church in college that several of my classmates also went to, and we knew that the church was probably uh, officially a bit more conservative than we were. Um, but we, you know, it was um, in a convenient location. It was a really lovely group of people, <laughs> more importantly. Um, and so we went to this this church, and I was there for two or three years. And my friend, also from like another classmate, um, she started dating another woman and I, I she doesn't really identify as far as I know I'm pretty sure as gay before that but she turned out to be in a gay relationship and so um she sat down with our pastor who was a, a good friend pretty good friend of hers and she was she was very involved in this church she's um she also worked at a baptist church so she really loves the bible um and she served food at the like weekly potluck and prayed for people. And so she was just a, um, a contributing and prayerful and um, thoughtful and loving core 
member of this church mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and she sat down to tell our pastor, and she expected, and I would have expected that he would say, you know, um, I disagree deeply with this, and I'm going to try to convince you to break it off and go back to being straight. <laughs> but instead, he um, called a meeting of the vestry and called the bishop because there's some sort of these are the processes you have to go through and in the next in three or four days he had like officially excommunicated her from oh my God. our Anglican church um, and that was very just it was shocking and frustrating um, on a like an ideological level mm-hmm. that um, he could that he couldn't disagree with her life choices in this area without making this official and drastic sanction against her. Um, it was frustrating because it seemed a little, um, but just sort of really believing that she was going to be so, um, overwhelmed with sad communication from this church when she already had another church that she would, you know, like, dump her girlfriend and beg to be received back <laughs> was, was very unrealistic and odd um, train of thought to me. Um, and but it was really, it was personally hurtful too, and I think a lot of people it's it's a it's hard to talk about this well because I don't want to make her a story that was her story into my story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had been I mean like probably most people I had been wrestling with um, sexuality and the ways that my sexual life didn't measure up to what I was taught, and when that when that happened to her, it felt like, um, it felt like I had been excommunicated too. Um, I, I just, I stopped receiving communion because I felt like just because her like quote sin was public didn't mean that it just wasn't fair to single her out when so many people that we knew in our church didn't you know meet the whatever charter of proper sexuality might have existed in our like priest's mind or the anglican rule book if that exists um (laughs) wherever it was decided that she had done wrong it would also have been decided that i had done wrong Um, and it was it was really really hard to come to terms with the fact that though we had though we had willingly chosen to commune with this group of people that we disagreed with on many points um, when it came down to it in their eyes that disagreement disqualified us from real membership 
in their yeah. group um, yeah. or in the body of Christ. Um, yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, I met with the pastor in the end, and I, I kind of expected... I don't know what I expected, but what I got was a sort of debate about biblical interpretation. And it was really, it was like, so kind of sad not to be understood where I was coming from, but it was really sad that this was seen as sufficient to divide us so deeply. This, mm-hmm. uh, just our theory of biblical interpretation. And that has continued. It's something I think um, I tend to like wish would stop hurting. <laughs> but um, I still, when I, I have a friend or two that have said to me, you know, like the 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 family is the the core of society and it's the core of Christianity, and um, I it's it's a little sad. <laughs> Um, and it hurts a little to, to think that they define their religion so so strongly on those lines. And I, you know, for me to say, I think the core of Christianity is the teachings of Jesus. <laughs> it, the way we talk about those things just puts us at, at such odds in their mind. Yeah. It's, it's that. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that I mean it, it yeah, it's sad. I I mean it's to go back to what the the incident that happened at your at your church. I mean, that's uh that's sort of hard that I, I don't know, it's hard to articulate like that that hard line appeal to both a particular biblical interpretation as well as church authority. Um, it's hard to, to, to see, uh, to accept that in such a inner, so, such a crowded space, uh, of theological belief <laughs> in today's world. I mean, um, but that is just, that's just from the, um, from the sort of audacity uh, of, of, of that event, not to mention just the emotional trauma (laughs) that that your friend uh, underwent. And that, uh, I mean, that, that you as someone that is uh, aligned with that person, that's, that's, that, that would, yeah, uh, aligned or allied or, um, however you might determine it. And, and if that, especially if you felt like that it, by extension was a judgment upon you. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> it's just shitty that that happened. <laughs> and yeah, these are, yeah. Yeah. Um, my friend kept going to the church for several or a few months, I think. Um, and I kept going for a while after that. Um, I, she's a she's an amazing person that I really really respect and um, a wonderful writer, too. Um, and she now she's a Baptist minister, but um, she I do I really admire that she kept going to the church and and trying to um, to find a way to to bridge that gap that turned. But um, 
you know, as she said once, she she just slowly realized how how deep this this whole like excommunication thing really went for. Right. Yeah. I mean, she didn't quite get it for a little while, and then um, she would actually would go up every week and to like receive communion, and they would just skip over her. Um, it was really wow. tragic. Um, That's awful. Yeah. 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 So then I think after she left and the rest of us that were just kind of because yeah, we just realized that um, I, I, I remember looking around the church and seeing all the kids in the church and realizing that their parents wouldn't want me to like teach them about Jesus <laughs> or, or God um, and realizing just how, how insulated their world needed to be the things they taught and that was sort of the, the lesson that I got from the whole excommunication deal was like can we really can the church really not go on or like act with integrity if there's like a gay person in it and the answer was no um, for them and, and that that's actually that's what I was referring to with that sort of like little little outpost idea that um, it turned into a really insular thing yeah 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 the the incapacity to <laughs> accept people different than you or accept people that have different beliefs than you. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, it's really, um, it doesn't make for a good church. <laughs> I, well, I still, I still wish them really well, but no, I don't think that they were, I think they're going to, I don't think they're going to be very effective in um, reaching people with the gospel. I think they're going to be really effective in collecting a group of flag minded Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's uh, I, yeah. I think that's probably a fair assessment. <laughs> um, well, uh, Lindsay, I I really want to thank you for joining um, and for for sharing just a even just a bit about uh, your experiences. And I always feel like I can always talk to people for <laughs> like I, twice as long as I I I do. Um, and yeah, again, I, I just want to thank you. And where can people find you online? Uh, where can people find your writing and uh, and uh, anywhere else, any, anything else you might want to plug? All right, so my name is a little hard to spell, but it, I am <laughs> the same everywhere I go. Okay. Uh, I am I'm Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and um, I'm Lindsay Medford, lindsaymedford.com. That's L Y N D S E Y. M E D F O R D. Great. All yes. right. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And we'll put that in the show notes too. So you can check out everywhere that she is online. Lindsay, thank you very much for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is really fun. Great. Thank you. Good to connect.